0: Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it, Naismith, Kennedy, Hamble out the Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris, goal! dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on. From inside the center square, Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's kicked the goal from inside the center Yes, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the SC Playbook AFL podcast for round four of the AFL season, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. My name's Eddie. I'm going to be your podcast host for today. Joining me as always, though, I couldn't do it without him. We've got two of the best in the business, uh, Nico, Coach of Lovsky FC. What's going on, Nico? How are you on this fine Monday afternoon? Hey, Eddie. Just licking my wounds a little bit after the weekend, but we'll, we'll talk more about that in a second. Can't wait to get into it. And Bandit, the SC Bandit on Twitter, one of the best uh, best Twitter accounts going around. He's got all the stats and everything that you love to see on Twitter. Bandit, how are you this week? G'day,
1: boys. I'm going well. A bit like Nico uh, licking my wounds from a bit of a subpar uh, round, but uh, there's 20 to go in this season, so there's a long way to go. So we'll, uh, we'll bounce back and hopefully have a better one this week. Indeed. Well, both of you are sounding
0: a little worse for wear, so I'm pretty keen to hear how the weekend went, Bandit. Let's start with you.
1: What did you score? What are your rankings? Um, talk to me about your performance overall. Yeah, so I scored a two one two five for round three, which was a little bit below par. So my rank drop from um, inside the the twenty thousands out to about thirty one and a half thousand. So uh, not not great on the overall rankings front. Um, but I feel like my team is pretty pretty well set up at this point, to be honest. It was just a bit of those... It was one of those sort of what could have been weeks. I think I had sort of nine or 10 players score between 70 and 100 points. So, you know, if you if you potentially have five or six of those guys um, score 20 or 30 more points each, you're looking at a at a pretty solid score. It was just one of those rounds where, um, you know, a few guys didn't quite perform up to the level that we'd seen um, in the first couple of rounds. So um, not a total disaster, but, you know, just one of those weeks where you sort of look back and go... Oh, well, could have been been better. Yeah, I I personally thought, as I wrote in my piece today, the
0: round recap, that I almost felt like it was a bit of a regaining equilibrium sort of week. Like, I felt like everything that had gone wrong over the first two weeks kind of stabilised and everything that had been going really right for other people sort of stabilised as well. We didn't get any of those really massive scores from the the point of difference players. Um, It felt a little bit more like this is what it's going to be like for the rest of the season rather than just a bit of a carnage, chaotic first two weeks. Um, Nico, you, I think we're in a bit of a similar boat to Bandit. You were around that two one hundred mark. Talk to me. What what went on? What could have what could have gone better? What could have gone worse?
2: Yeah, so I um, finished round three with a two thousand and ninety two. So that pushes me out to thirty two thousand and sixty seven for my rank. So pretty much the same as Bandit. I had I just counted fifteen blokes who went under a ton on my field. So um, not ideal. Obviously my, my primos haven't. Haven't delivered as I as I would have hoped, and you know I'm not expecting too much from your Horn Francis's and your Wards and that kind of stuff that I have on field, but definitely expecting more from uh, from Butters and you know these types
0: of players. Definitely, Butters was one that let a few down this week, me included. I punched out a two two four five, which was um, I think yeah around the top thirteen percent, top fifteen percent for the round. That leaves me in around the twenty thousand mark, which yeah pretty satisfied with after a bit of a bumpy start. The team. Feels like it's coming together. Um, That'll obviously fall apart later this week when someone or another person is out with COVID or whatever. But for the moment, it's feeling all right. Um, Now, I like to give you guys a bit of a chance to vent um, in the pod. And yeah, this week, I want to hear your primo villain and your primo hero, Bandit. I'm going to throw to you first, who was the hero from your ranks and who was the villain?
1: Yeah, this guy would have been a hero in a lot of people's teams this week, I think, and that was Stephen Canelio with 149 Supercoach points against the Gold Coast Suns on Saturday afternoon, 32 disposals. Um, just look back to the Canelio of old that we've seen in years gone by when the Giants were you know, one of the really dominant teams in the AFL, and he actually could have scored a lot higher had he not kicked three behinds and no goals, so... Had he turned one or two of those behind into into goals, we would have looked at probably a you know, 160 or a 170 potentially. So um, he's given his cash generation a serious boost now. It wouldn't surprise me if we see him touching sort of near that $500,000 mark um, in the next month or so.
0: Nice. And uh, Nico, who was your, who was your primo uh, hero for the week?
2: Yeah, so I've got Josh Dunkley as my hero for the week. He looked back to his best with 129, which is really, really good to see. Um, his role looked like it was there again. And, yeah, back to his, you know, best, playing um, playing inside ball, getting those contested possessions and um, those inside 50s and, and tackling really hard. So,
0: yeah, it was very good to see that. It was good. I As a Dunkley owner, I loved seeing that as well. My primo hero for the week was actually Clayton Oliver. Um, it's been a little bit of a slow start to the year for him, but with Petrarca um, comprehensively tagged out of the game for a lot of it, um, I thought Oliver did a really good job of stepping up and he was great, 146 uh, Supercoach points, which is a nice little bonus. Um, in terms of villains, um, I actually didn't really have many villains to go to, so I'm going to have to I'm going to have to steal yours and go with Butters, I think as well. Um, Nico, he just yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. Did you watch much of that game? Did you see what was going on with him? He copped a bit of a, a
2: rib knock, so it looked like it it could have like a potentially bruised rib or something you know, of that ilk. So. I think it just took a bit of the stuffing out of him and maybe just, just knocked him out of the game a little bit and just sort of took a quarter and a bit to sort of, you know, get back into it and just wasn't getting much of
1: the ball when he when he came back on. For sure. Um, Bandit, who was your premium villain for the week? Yeah, Zach Butters was in the gun for me as well, but I'll go a little bit different just for some variety so we're not all piling onto the same bloke. So, uh, yeah, Luke Ryan was was the one for me. It was uh, boiled ollies in round one. Chocolates in, in round two when he scored 150 and then back to ball Lollies again <laughs> with a 74 uh, this week against West Coast in, in the Derby in Perth. So um, I feel like he's just sort of scoring around his floor um, at around that sort of low 70-point range, which isn't terrible by any means, but, uh, yeah, I wish he'd sort of iron out that consistency a bit and average, you know, 110 or so. That'd be that'd be nice. But, uh, yeah, he's probably the villain for, for this week.
2: Quite a lot of those defensive
1: premiums are
2: are a bit yo-yo at the moment, aren't they? So we got Daniel Rich and Crisp have been, you know, 70, 120, 80. And, you know, same with Ryan there. And, yeah, it's a it's a bit frustrating uh, to own these guys at the moment. I'll, um I'll,
1: Aaron Hall was another one as well. Aaron Hall was another 70 one. As well. Absolutely.
2: Yep. yep. Yeah. It's, um,
0: yeah. It, it's tough when you're paying top dollar for these guys and – They're not delivering, unfortunately. Indeed. Um, I want to move on to some rookie heroes and rookie villains. Um, I'm going to lead us off. My hero is Mitch Hinge with his 91. Um, I'm actually really impressed with how he's playing, not just from a super coach perspective, but just in general. He looks really comfortable in that Crows outfit. I can't see them getting rid of him anytime soon. And no rookie villains for me this week. Maybe Paddy McCartan with his 61, the worst of the bunch. But uh, I actually had a pretty good week with – I avoided the Rochelle 36 – um, I avoided Hayes' 57, avoided Wards' 54. So did okay with the rookie side of things. Um, Nico, how did you go with, with your rooks? Who was your hero and your villain? You can definitely tell you had a good week, Eddie. You know. <laughs> I'm touch up and me, about. Touch,
2: <laughs> touch
0: me up in the uh, in the head-to-head as well. Um, I wasn't going so was to actually... <laughs> mention that, but since you did, I did give Nico a bit yeah. of a
1: bath in the
0: FC in the Playbook League.
2: <laughs> well, um, Bandit has, um, has elevated Cornelio to, to premium status from the looks of things. I, I had him down as uh, my rookie hero. So yeah, one forty nine. <laughs> Obviously, we, we've spoken at that, but happy to classify him as as a primo. Uh, but outside of that, I was um I was going to touch on hinge as well. So um, hinge ninety one. I actually brought him on my field when I traded Chapman, which you know is another disappointing part of my weekend. But at least I only lost ten points. Um, you know, through playing hinge on the field compared to Chapman, so pretty happy with that.
1: Yeah, nice, Bandit. Um, what about you? Yeah, I want to give a shout out to a couple of guys just quickly. Nick Dacos uh, went back to the '90s this week, so uh, great to see him showing that really healthy ceiling that we saw in round one. I think we'll we'll continue to see him score quite quite prolifically in that in that Collingwood side. So that was great to see. And also, Will Brody um, punched out another good score for us in the forward line um, with a ninety against uh, West Coast. And actually, more importantly, elevated his time on ground to eighty three percent. In that game, so that's a really positive move for him. It still attended a really healthy amount of centre bounces with with 21 for the day as well. So, a couple of uh, rookie heroes there. Uh, and on the uh, villain side of things, Josh Rochelle, unfortunately, will um, unless he provides a, a big game in the next couple of weeks, will probably stunt his cash growth um, for the next um, for the next fortnight or so with that 36 in his rolling average against Port Adelaide. Just didn't really find uh, much of the footy on on Friday night, unfortunately. So, he'll need a big game. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, to to push that break even back down again, um, and also Dylan Stevens for a lot of people, um, he only scored twenty three against the Dogs on uh, on Thursday, and a lot of people would have had him on field, so I think he'll be um yeah he'll be fairly unpopular this week with a lot of uh, with a lot of super coaches. I agree
2: with that, yeah. Rochelle was mine as well on field with his thirty six, which is thoroughly disappointing. Gave away a 50-meter penalty right when the game was on as well. So, um, you know, that knocked him back about 11 or 12 points too. So, yeah, not great. But hopefully, and I think he's got it in him. Um, you know, he'll notch up a, a 70 or eight, and an 80 next week or something like that. And then he's, you know, back where we sort of want him to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know Eddie Betts made it look easy for a number of years, but I always thought playing at night on Adelaide Oval, it's really dewy, it's really wet. It's a hard ground for small forwards to play at, at night time. So, I'm not... Too worried about that Rochelle one. He was around the ball. He kicked a really nice goal. Um, I'm sure he'll be back uh, to what we've seen from him in previous weeks. Now, boys, um, the SC Playbook podcast is brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. Um, we thank them very much for letting us put this on every week. It's, uh, it's a great production. The boys are experts in all types of home, commercial, and car loans. So whether you're a local or living interstate and looking to purchase your first ever home or chase the lowest rate for your refinance, give them a call on nine five two one. One six one one today, and mention SC playbook for your free tailored expert advice session, uh, lads. This time last week, we tried rather than going through game by game with each of our uh, with each game and looking through all the big stories from each game, we went with more of a tailored big topics sort of a- a- approach where we've identified a few big topics out of the weekend, and we're going to discuss each one of those in depth. Now people seem to like it, so I'm not one to argue with them. We're going to keep going with it this week. Um, I've given you a few big topics earlier. We're going to go through them one by one. The first one I'm going to throw to you first here, Nico, is underperforming mid primos. So basically every big mid last week had a down week. Uh, what are we seeing here? Is this a is this a trend? Is this a one-off? Or is it really something to be worried about? Do we have to start looking at that next crop of, of premium mids like Crips, Brayshaw, Keys, those sort of guys? Can we not rely on the likes of Took and Steele and McRae any longer? I think we can
2: rely on them. So... I believe it's probably just a, a bit of an outlier this week gone. So I'm going to be holding fat. Things, as we know, changes very quickly one week. So Dylan Stevens last week was, you know, a must-have rookie sort of inclusion, and then he's, you know, pulled out a twenty, and then, you know, he, he's on the chopping block kind of thing. So things happen really, really quickly in this game. I wouldn't move any of these, you know, highly priced guys on unless there is a significant negative role change or there's an injury. Um, there as well, and that's the reason for their poorer scoring. I don't think that's the case in a lot of these guys, especially not Steele and and Took. Um, Steele maybe looks a little bit disinterested. You know, he signed a big contract. Um, Who knows? Um, That might be a little bit of a factor. Took was, you know, tagged by two people on the weekend. So I think we can just ignore it and then expect them to go back to their 120-plus ways next week. Um, and then, you know, order is restored. The only exception to the rule, perhaps, would be Tom Mitchell, who almost looks past it, to be honest. So I don't know what is going on there. But if you have him, I'd suggest trying to move him on to maybe one of these guys, like a, like a Brayshaw
0: yeah, T- Mitchell. I think has just been ravaged by injuries, and they do. They've like, caught up with him a little bit. He's a bit off the pace. I'm not. I don't think he's been starting in the midfield that often. He's gone a half forward, and he's, he's not a half forward by any means. I think that was one of the major problems in Sydney. They tried to play him out of position. Um, so yeah, he is one that looks past it. Bandit, are you? Is there any part of you that that is is looking to jump on any of these up and coming mids like the likes of the the likes of a crisp for, exa- uh, Crips for example, or Brayshaw, um, or even a Ben Keys, anyone like that that you're looking to offload, or is it is it more of a hold fat situation for you as well?
1: No, I think the guys I've got at the moment, it's it's just a hold fat and uh, wait for the rookies to appreciate so we can start doing some upgrades. I didn't really. Um didn't really jump on any of those underperforming guys like Tom Mitchell, like you mentioned. I yeah, I've, I was just looking at the stats as you guys were talking about Mitchell. And he only attended he only attended twelve centre bounces against Carlton on the weekend. So mm-hmm. um, I saw he was trying to run with Crips at, at various stages in that game. But yeah, I think he's been found out a little bit potentially by his lack of leg speed. He's that's probably the knock on him. He's a little bit one pace potentially. So. Um, yeah, who knows? The game might be um, might be moving past him, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, from my perspective, my team's pretty well set now, especially now that the price changes have come into effect. I'm sort of banking on a few players to not perform as well as what they've been doing. So, unfortunately, Paddy Cripps is is one of those. I've, I've missed him. Um, Brayshaw's another one. I'm not sure he'll sustain the, the way he's been going. Um, I think he's shown in previous years that he is still a bit susceptible to a tag from opposition teams. So, He's one, I think, who will potentially drop off a little bit as the season goes on, but he's shown, um, you know, what a high ceiling he's he's got. Um, in terms of the rest of the, the mids like Took Miller, um, you know, I think teams can potentially look at tagging him a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, you know, every 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 one of these midfielders is going to come up against a team at some point or, or other who... Um, you know, put some work into them and and make sure that they have a bit of a down night. So, um, you know, guys like um, Neil, Petrarca, you know, I wouldn't stress too much if they're dropping a 90 here or there. That's, you know, that's pretty much their flaw. Um, so I wouldn't be too concerned about that.
2: Yeah, the alternative options are actually quite interesting. So you've raised Ben Keys. I thought he'd struggle with Laird back in the side. So he I, came, yeah. came out and dropped a 113 and looks great again. You know, Travis spoke is ridiculous. He's in his 16th season and he's still dishing up, you know, these massive, massive scores. He's
0: gone 149, 156, 133, Travis spoke. I mean, at at some point we're going to have to recognise that. Like, I mean, I don't think anyone's really considering him as an option at this point. But at what point do you consider him an option? I think,
2: now this is going off memory, but I reckon he's always hot to start the season and then sort of drifts off in the second half of the season. Um, but Tom Green is another one that you know we, we could talk about who's gone one six four one oh six 106, one four seven. Um, so just on the weekend, he's had twenty nine touches and two goals. So I think the the stark improvement from what I've seen in his stats is that he's kicking a lot more this year. So previously, he was handballing at a at a much higher ratio, um, almost like you know handballing fifty percent more of the time than he was kicking, and now it's an even sort of split. So he's um and he's hitting the scoreboard. So. Um, he's looking really, really good, but whether or not he can sustain that as a, as a younger type, I'm not sure, but we could probably talk about that in a bit more detail later, I think.
0: Yeah, I think one thing we're going to discuss later is upgrades and, and who we're picking as our first upgrades. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a really tough decision, particularly those mids. I, I, I don't know whether I'd want to bring in the likes of a, a Took at the moment. Like I, I do feel like... With that with Rao back in the side it does seem like Gold Coast have more options than they did in previous years and, and there is something to the the took bad game in the weekend I don't know Nick I'm, I'm actually as well, I said to you earlier I'm trying to wheel this into existence as a non-owner so I am very biased well you wouldn't you wouldn't bring him in this week you'd wait
2: two weeks you know for his price to completely bomb out and then consider him so and then you know at that point perhaps one of your your mid prices has fattened up you know 150k and you know you can make a
0: move. Indeed, um, the next big topic that I want to move on to is is premium ruckman, and this seems to be a real struggle for people so far this season. None of the alternative options in in terms of uh, Marshall or uh, or even Sean Darcy from Frio have worked out. Um, the only real one that is working out is Tim English, but not many started with him. So I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on where are we at with with premium ruckman? Is is the Gorn Grundy era over? Are we, do we need to elevate other people into that area or do we just need to accept that Ruckman aren't quite as relevant this year as they were, have been previously?
2: I think I think they are relevant. Uh, we saw, you know, Proust came out and, you know, scored 109 in his, in his first match against Wits, who, you know, is a you know, very capable Ruckman and someone pretty hard to come up against one-on-one. I'm st- yeah, once again, we'll we use the term sticking fat, like Gorn 117 on the weekend, Grundy 96. They're not terrible numbers, um really good to see that increase from Gorn, uh, for those that, you know, did hold. Um, so that that was great. And there was still room for improvement in his game, I think, as well. So yeah, what do you think, Bennett? Are you um holding fat as well?
1: Yeah, I am. Yeah, I think Gorn's just had a bit of a slow start to the season. I think you can put those two first games down as a as a bit of a you know, for whatever reason he's just started the start of the season slowly, you know, there could be a, a reason for that behind the scenes that that isn't public knowledge. So I think, um, yeah, you've just got to stick fat. And and like we said, the options outside of those top tier guys aren't really all that appealing. You know, Rowan Marshall started the season really well. He's had a couple of poor scores since with um, with Ryder now back in the team as well. So there's been an asterisk on him. Sean Darcy's injured. Um, Nick Nat's just coming back from COVID. So, you know, his performances are still a bit to be seen and how he bounces back from that. Um the one that sort of jumps out at me a little bit uh, is Raleigh O'Brien from the Crows, um, mm. averaging 108 to to this point. Um, and with a midfield around him that actually looks quite strong with the likes of Matt Crouch, Rory Laird, Ben Keys, Rory Sloan when he comes back from injury, like there is some opportunity there, I think, for him to... You know, he's a physical ruckman, so he's one of those guys who can get a few hit outs to advantage by monstering his opponent from from time to time. And he's he's quite a athletic guy as well. So he gets around the ground quite a bit and, and racks up some some possessions that other Ruckmen don't potentially um, so he's only in four percent of teams at the moment, just looking at his stats. So, you know, if if you do get, you know, two, three weeks down the track from now and and you're and you're looking for a different option. Um, he's definitely one I think that you can keep in mind. Yeah, I think what the one that worries
0: me the most at the moment. I'm I'm glad I'm a non-owner. I was brooking him through the preseason was Bron Marshall. And yeah, we we saw that three-headed St Kilda ruck lineup go at it on the weekend, and it's not going to work out long term. And you'd have to think Hayes is the first one out of that side, unfortunately. Um, but it, yeah, it is a worry that Marshall can't seem to to grab that number one ruck spot at St Kilda. I don't know what it is really. I I don't really see why they're still playing Paddy Ryder so much at this stage. I don't think he's, I think he's passed his prime a little bit. The one that I do want to know more about, Nico, and as a Collingwood fan, I'm, I'm going to throw to you immediately because I haven't watched a huge amount of their games this season, I'll be honest, is what's going on with Brodie Grundy? Talk to me. Um, the scores are around the mark. It just doesn't seem like he's got that ceiling maybe that he once did.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I spoke about Steele signing a mega contract. I think the same has applied to Grundy ever, ever since he got his seven-year deal and he, and his pay packet. He just hasn't really seemed that interested or that I guess hungry to, to follow up the ball and be that sort of extra midfielder that he used to be and which is where he would get you know a lot of his points so looking at his stats on the weekend he still had 20 touches and eight tackles and, and 12 contested possessions and eight clearances so really you know fair numbers for a ruckman um, the knock is 50 percent disposal efficiency and gave away four frees now the big one and I don't understand it as a, a 2.02 metre Ruckman, zero marks. Mm. How can he go around a full game and not take one mark? That is strange, isn't it? Completely baffled me when I saw it. And, you know, as a Collingwood supporter and, you know, in, in a WhatsApp group with, um, you know, with my Collingwood snuff mates, every, every time he drops the ball, it's like, oh, there we go. Like, you know, concrete hands again, like... So it, the same applies to Gorn, I think. They're both just not clunking their marks. So once that turns around, I think we're going to see them come back to those really high ceiling scores and I think reward people who you know have strong hands and, and not weak hands.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm, I'm personally going to be holding. Um, I've only got Grundy, but I will be holding him. There's no way I'd be trading him at this point. One option, though, is my next big topic is actually one of these ruck options is Braden Pruce. He... Did fantastically off the bat. I don't think anyone could have expected more out of him than what he did. He looked great against Wits, who, as you said, Nico is a tough matchup. He sits at two hundred four k. So obviously, he only played the one game. Um, the first option that I want to throw at you, Bandit, is Hayes or Dixon. If you've got either of them, um, is that a, is a, would you consider after next week offloading a Hayes or a Dixon type to get to get in Pruce as a, as an R three or um, one of those instead of an R two, maybe just an R three.
1: Uh, well, I definitely wouldn't offload them this week on the back of one big game from from Pruce. I think we've just got a hold fire there until we get another look at him next week. Um, worth noting that he only actually had 69% time on ground against the Suns uh, on Saturday. So there's definitely some room for improvement there. They might have just been looking to um, sort of nurse him back to AFL level and just get him through that, that game, potentially the Giants. But... Um, yeah, in terms of bringing him in, I'll, I definitely wouldn't pull the trigger on him this week. I think it's really important now for, especially for the options of, of trading in that you wait the, the two weeks for them to be on the bubble and then wait for them to be to be named for that third game before you do um, bring someone in. But look, he's he's definitely an option if he if he pumps out another time. Then I think you definitely have to look at it. Um, I think Hayes is definitely a hold just based on break even alone. Like his break even still. Still very low. Um, Still and even negative. If does, yeah. So even if he does go out of the team, he I, he's got to come back in at some point. I don't think there's any way that Ryder gets through the rest of the season uninjured based on his on his track record. So I think Hayes is definitely a halt. or Marshall
2: um, as well, Bandit. Like he's he's got injury concerns
1: throughout his career. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So there's some there's some queries on on the Saints big guys. Um, Dixon, I think, is potentially expendable, but again, he's got a very low break-even. I think his break-even's in the negative 40s at the moment for, for this week. Um, and there's still obviously some question marks around, around guys like when, you know, when is Oscar Allen going to come back from, from his injuries? Um, so yeah, he played a decent game on the weekend as well, Dixon. So um, probably out of those two, Dixon's probably the more expendable one. Um, but again, it's a question of where do you stump up the cash? Because I think a lot of a lot of coaches wouldn't have, you know, hundred k um, sitting in the in the salary cap at the moment that they can go and use on a Dixon to, to upgrade to a Bruce. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. That's probably
2: the only time I would really do it is if I had that hundred k sitting there, um, and Dixon seems to have lost lost his spot uh, in the team. So, yep, good call. Um, but. As Bandit said, that there's no reason whatsoever to to look at moving this week. Bruce obviously has got his, you know, very high injury concerns and even suspension concerns. So yeah, we'd hold hold fire until he's
0: on the bubble. What do you do if what do you do if Gorn drops a drops a seventy next week and you've got Bruce comes out and puts a one twenty up?
2: You, you, He'd probably make the switch, I think. You reckon? Yeah, probably.
1: Bandit? Yeah, well, if, I mean, if Gorn comes out and drops a 60 or a 70, it really does then become about value for money, doesn't it? And the, and the points you allocate to get, um, the the money, sorry, you allocate to, to get points. If if Bruce is averaging 90 and he only costs 200K, you know, the, the points that you're getting from him are a lot cheaper than what you're getting from Max Gorn who costs, you know, 650K to start the season and he's only scoring, you know, Ninety or thereabouts as well. So um, yeah, if you can if you can redirect those funds elsewhere to you know your defence or your forward line or your midfield and potentially get some some stronger point output from for your money. Um, yeah, I think that's something we definitely need to to look at. But like I said, plenty of water to go under, under the bridge between now and um, and next time we meet for. Uh, for the round four wrap up. So we'll uh, yeah Very we'll sit tight on, on Bruce and um, see what happens. I've got Jared Witt sitting there at
0: 414K. He's got a break-even of 75 this week. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm sitting, I'm watching and waiting with uh, bated breath to see how Bruce goes this weekend because that could free up a decent chunk of cash for other movements elsewhere. Now, out of nowhere, boys, our next big topic, Carlton, the most mid slash def relevant team in the league. And I put an exclamation mark and a question mark here because I can't quite believe it. But they've currently got Walsh, Cripps, Doherty, Hewitt, Kennedy, all really interesting defensive-slash-midfield options. So I'm going to ask you, Nico, what are Carlton doing at the moment that that makes them so super coach relevant for us as they sit currently? I think it's the new coach.
2: I think Michael Voss um, has shown being in charge of the midfield group at Port Adelaide and now obviously taking over as head coach at Carlton that, he likes to have a consistency of a midfielder group and he really trusts them to do the job week in, week out. So we've got the likes of um, CBA numbers to, to discuss. We've got Cripps at 23, which is you know massive for him. Hewitt, 16. Kennedy, 15. Chera, 12. And, and Walsh, 10. And Fisher only had the two on the weekend. So it looks like Chera and Walsh are you know, splitting um, the role um, with you know a little bit of wing and a, and a little bit of outside. Um, but yeah, it's just that core group of guys that that are in there, um, and obviously when that happens, they they know where they where they are, they know how they're moving, they know all the different scenarios because they're training you know all the time together, and they're always in there together, you know when when the
0: battle's on. So yeah, they've all got trust in each other, and they're all playing really really good footy. What about the defensive system, Ben? What is it about the defensive setup they've got there at the moment that's making Doherty and, and Hewitt, even even though he's not playing a heap of defense, but specific, specifically Doherty, what is it about his role at the moment that, that's making him such an attractive option?
1: I think, to be honest, you've just gone back to that role that we saw a few years ago where he was averaging, you know, you got to remember, he was a guy who was averaging 120 in a past life as well before he had some, um, some health issues. So, um, yeah, I think, if he hadn't had those, he'd still be that sort of player who was pretty much D1 lock from, from the start of the season, to be honest. Um, I think the way they're playing as well definitely helps. They're looking to go a lot more direct this year with obviously Colonel and Mackay up forward, uh, Savani floating around as well. They played that way against Hawthorne in the first half in particular on the weekend and just look to really just get it in there quickly. Um, so that means guys like uh, Zach Williams, um, Doherty, Saad wasn't there on the weekend, but he's another one. These guys are, you know, they like kicking the footy long. Um, and if they're hitting up targets like Mackay and Kerno on the end of those kicks, um, and those guys are then kicking goals as a result, then that's going to lead to to some bigger scores in, in Supercoach. So I think the, the way they're playing is really conducive to, to Supercoach scoring. And I think we're seeing that in the midfield as well, as, as Nico just touched on.
2: 100% agree with with the um, assessment of Doherty there. So, on the weekend, he's had 33 touches and, and 23 of those are kicks, and the majority of them, you know, are long and, and hitting a target, you know, somewhere big. As he's really, really, you know, lethal by foot, so he's going at 88%, having 33 touches. It's pretty huge. Indeed,
0: um, and do you see particularly the midfield setup? Nico, do you see this as a sustainable sort of scoring pattern going forward? I mean, there's nothing to suggest currently that it isn't, but is there anything about it that, that you'd be worried about with the likes of a Hewitt or a Chera if you owned either of those two? No,
2: I'd be wrapped if I was a Hewitt owner. I'm not, but um, Chera I don't think is going to be anywhere near as good um, asset-wise as Crips or Hewitt. I think they're the two main guys as well as Doc you know, in, in defence. Um, Chera is probably going to be a little bit up and down only having sort of that split, as I mentioned, with Walsh. Um, but long-term, it looks like, you know, these guys are the ones that are going to be trusted and to, to do the job and deliver week in, week out. And the only thing
0: that's going to, you know, hamper that or, or derail that is going to be injuries. Well, the next thing I want to talk to you about is, is in reference to Sam Doherty specifically, but I'm going to open it up to every defensive option. Who is going to be your first defensive upgrade target? Um, because I'm finding it very hard to go past Sam Doherty, but there's also the likes of Jake Lloyd, Jordan Dawson, Aaron Hall, all started the year with relatively low ownership. So Bennett, who's the first cab off the rank for you in terms of defensive upgrades at this point? Obviously, noting that we might not be getting there for a few weeks, a
1: few weeks yet. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I think you know, like always, you want to balance um, point scoring with with value for money, like we touched on on previously. So. Um, you know, I'll probably wait and see on Doherty just to see how he goes over the next couple of weeks. His break even at the moment is uh, is 107. So uh, he's somewhere near, if he doesn't pump out another, you know, 130, 140, he's probably somewhere near his maximum price at the moment. So you can probably afford to wait a couple of weeks and see if, you know, a team opts to, you know, chuck a defensive forward on him or, or something like that. Um, I think guys like uh, Jordan Dawson from the Crows, uh, averaging 106 at the moment at sort of mid 50s. Um, He's someone that I'm sort of looking at. Um, Tom Stewart as well has had a really consistent start to the season with with three tons. Um, and then you've got sort of the next generation guys as well. So um, Jack Sinclair from the Saints is one that's really popped up and um, sort of come from nowhere, really, to an extent. Um, and now he's averaging 110 through the first three rounds. Um, Harry Perryman from, from GWS, he's averaging 100 through the first three rounds as well. So... It's really about um about balancing that point generation with with value for money. If if you don't need to go and spend five hundred and fifty on, on your first upgrade, um, and you can spend five hundred and get a similar output, then that's probably the way you need to you need to go.
0: So I take it you're leaning slightly towards Dawson Bandit, Nico. Where are you leaning slightly towards at this point in time?
2: Now that Hall's had a a really poor game, um, as long as he doesn't lose his spot, because. He was really poor. Like, there was one stage of the game where he was manning the mark at 50 and he was he turned to have a go at his teammate and he just let Lions play on and kick a goal from 40. Oh. It was absolutely horrendous to see that. Um, and it's something that, you know, he could potentially, you know, have a week in the VFL for. Um, but if he doesn't, I think it could just be one of those games where, you know, it kicks him up the butt and he goes back to, you know, his best footy. Um, so now... With that 70 in his in his price cycle, I've got a couple of weeks to wait until he bottoms out, potentially make a move. I'm glad I didn't make the move earlier. As I discussed last week, I was, I was looking at bringing him in. Um, but the only other one maybe to discuss um, is Lloyd, if you want consistency. I, I think he's lost a little bit of his ceiling. He used to be the number one guy coming out of defense. So the ball used to just come every single play out of defense used to go through him. That's not the case anymore. It's very much shared around, yeah. and I reckon he's probably going to be around that sort of hundred average for the rest of the year. Um, so, one to to sort of you know, not not be number one on your on your target list, but you know, somewhere thereabouts, and he's going to be somewhere thereabouts in the top six. Come. The end of the year,
0: yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no doubt that that Lloyd is a is a top six defender. It's just whether he's going to burn you. But he's not your first upgrade. Um, at what point? I mean, we talked about some of those those up and comers, like the, the likes of Nathan Broad, who is just absolutely smashing it. There's no Nick Flostone is the obvious caveat there, um, but would would. likes of jerry mcgovern or jack sinclair or nathan broad are they are they in your upgrade plans at all bannon i know you also like to take into account stuff like buys when you're upgrade planning so which of those guys do you do you sort of have your eye on
1: yeah the buys was something that i uh, forgot to touch on just before but yeah i think that's something that we really need to factor into our um trading in the first part of the season so um, it's probably worth breaking out a spreadsheet or something like that, and just checking how many players you think you've got roughly for for each buy round, and start trading accordingly to um, sort of correct that as much as possible. So if you're if you're a bit light on for, for round twelve, I think is the first buy. If you if you've got a few guys missing in that in that buy round, then it's probably worth looking at guys who are going to play for you in in that in that buy. So um, that's something worth thinking about as well, rather than just thinking about price or, or averages and things like that. Um, start thinking about guys you can bring in and um, yeah, potentially get ahead in uh, in the buy rounds.
0: Very true. Now, one other aspect of trading that we touched on during the week, actually, in our WhatsApp chat. Nico, you, would, you said something that piqued my interest and it was along the lines of a trade's got to be worth 150k to you to make it worthwhile. Um, I just wanted you to I'm going to give you the floor. I just want you to expand a little bit on what you mean by that um, and just give us a bit more detail on it.
2: Yeah, sure thing, mate. So over the years, it's been a bit of a rule of thumb that as a target or a baseline that a trade is worth $150,000. So we only have limited trades to work with. So there needs to be sort of a value associated with that. Um, Otherwise, if you don't then and you're just burning them, you're going to run out of trades and you know, not improve your team as much as you need to. So now that – I don't know if it's going to be different this year because we've got more trades to work with and we've got trade boosts, but I'm still going to stick with that 150 k rule and including the boosts into that as well. Um, So, you know, the pandemic's going to still throw curveballs. So these trades, you know, they're they're worth – they're worth their weight in gold, especially come the end of the year. You want to be having a couple. I didn't. I ran out of trades last year, you know, down to the pointy end of the season, really hurt, you know, not having at least one sort of going into the last round. So as a bit of sort of an example, it doesn't really apply to premiums as much, this 150 k rule, but definitely for mid-prices and like all your, your stepping stone kind of players uh, or your rookies. So to judge whether or not it's been a successful trade, just say you start 125 k rookie they've risen up to 300k, you sell them to 125k rookie, you bank 175k and then you use that money to upgrade into your team. So there just just needs to be sort of that, that line or that value of a trade and if you work around that, I think you're going to be pretty good in the long term. Yeah, I like it.
0: Ben, do you operate a similar sort of system?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that was particularly important for me this year. Looking at guys like um, Jared Berry, Matt Rael, um, Patty Cripps to an extent as well. You know, these are these are guys that you pretty much need 150k price rises from to justify starting them, so you can upgrade to a to a primo later in the year. So that was very much how I set my team up um, at the start of the season, and that was why I avoided a lot of those mid-price um, defensive players because I just didn't think there was one clear standout who could generate. At one hundred and fifty thousand within the first sort of seven or eight weeks of the of, uh, of the season so yeah, are 100 agree with um with nico in that in that regard i think that's a rule that a lot of um a lot of good coaches stick by uh, when they're trading so that's definitely something to keep in mind um, as we go forward throughout the season
0: Love it, boys. Now, one of the reasons we're able to get this podcast off the ground is thanks to topsport.com.au, home of the best same game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. And we're going to be previewing their markets throughout the season. Um, Use the code SC Playbook if you're linking up your account so that they know we sent you. That's the code SC Playbook. It helps out the podcast, helps out us get this thing off the ground every week. 18 plus only, gamble responsibly. Now, boys, got some big news. I'm off the mark. (laughs) <laughs> um, off the, off the mark in our punting plays. I had the Crows at three dollars twenty last week. That uh, has given me a really nice little boost. Um, I'm now I'm out of the negatives for the season, um, which is <laughs> which is very nice to see. I'm up to two units up overall. But Nico, you're down. Negative 8.87 units. And Bandit, you're down at negative 5 units. You also had a win on the weekend with a Dogs, Demons and Brisbane multi paying $2.50. Um, I'm going to stick with the Crows this week. I've, I've, I like the Crows, but it's not the men's team. I'm going with the women's team. Um, I watched them play on the weekend. They were fantastic. I'm going to go them negative 15 and a half points against Melbourne in the grand final. That's paying $3.20. Another good omen seeing as I won on $3.20 last week. So, that's me. The Crows women negative fifteen and a half points. So they've got a win by fifteen and a half or more um, against the Demons in the grand final. Uh, Nico, what do you got? You you were pretty hot. You were hot to start the season. You've dropped off. We need a winner. What do you got for us?
2: Yeah, the Suns were pretty ordinary last week and and cost me. Um, so I'm going to go Melbourne at a dollar forty one, 41, uh, which seems pretty good odds to to touch up a um, confidence lacking Port Adelaide um, away and. They're boosted as well by uh, the return of Lever and Ben Brown. So I think, yeah, I think Port's in, in trouble. Um, I'm also going to throw in Sydney at a dollar seven against the Kangas, who don't look AFL standard. Yeah, And I'm going to take the Bulldogs over 10.5. Mm-hmm. Now they're playing Richmond. I'm not liking Richmond and the way they're going about things at the moment. So I reckon that's an easy an easy line to cover. So I'm looking at $2.86,
0: and I'll have all 10 units on. Beautiful. Love it. Bandit, you had a nice little winner last week. Where are we headed for a winner this week?
1: Yeah, I'm just going to go one out uh, like you, Eddie. So I'm going to play in the Swans North game as well. I'm going to take Sydney at the line of 42.5. Like, like you said, Nico North just looked like an absolute VFL standard team at best. I reckon there'd be some ammo teams kicking around uh, that would give them a run for their money at the moment. So I reckon uh, Sydney with uh, Buddy Franklin up and about could give them a proper hiding at the MCG, at the SCG, sorry, on, uh, on Saturday.
0: I love that one, Bandit. Now that's, we're going to keep track of these throughout the season. So we have a good record of how we've all been going. Um, Boys, I want to ask you your plans for this week. Um, Where are you headed in terms of trades, um, captains, rookies, anything that's going on in your team? Nico, What's happening? Are you looking to trade or are you looking to hold off after a big trade boost bonanza last week?
2: Yeah, so look, just want to touch on, um, we record these on a Monday night. So <laughs> we've got, you know, plans plans that we come into, um, you know, after, we, you know, the game's opened. And unfortunately, like Monday to Friday in Super, or Thursday in Supercoach is, uh, is a long time. So things change. So I, I didn't do anything near what I planned <laughs> last week, but – Having said that, I think this week's pretty easy. I'm going to go Baldwin to Martin, and I'm going to play him on field, um, so get Rochelle off. Um, so I think there's absolutely no way in the world I don't do that trade, So and it's just the one. I don't think there's anyone else I've missed on the bubble this week, so it looks like um, yeah, just a good opportunity to use one trade and, and make sure I get Martin in.
0: Yeah, that seems like a bit of a no-brainer. If you don't have Martin, um, I think you do need him in at this point. He looks fantastic and won't be leaving the bomber side anytime soon. Uh, Bandit, where where are you headed this week?
1: Yeah, I have to agree with Nico. Monday to Thursday is a lot of thinking time when it comes to Supercoach, so I actually didn't really end up going the way that I thought I would with my trades. either. I actually ended up uh, bringing George Hewitt into my team for for Lockie Whitfield last week, which actually turned out to be, um, to be not a bad move in the short term. Hewitt outscored Whitfield. Last week, so that was uh, that was a, a short term tick for that trade, but we'll see how that plays out um, over the rest of the season. But uh, yeah, just the one trade for me this week. Um, Nick Martin's a must have, uh, so I'll be bringing him in for Mitch Owens. I think the problem I have with with my team this week, um, and I'm sure lots of coaches will run into this over the course of the season, is that uh, my loophole player once I bring Martin in. Um, the only loophole player that I've got is Darcy Wilmot from Brisbane, and they play Friday night, which is very early in the round. So I'm actually going to have to go for a VC on Thursday night, probably in the Port Adelaide-Melbourne game. Thankfully, I've got a couple of options to choose from with Gorn and Petrarca. Uh, but, yeah, unfortunately, Petrarca. a loophole leaves, leaves me a little bit snookered in terms, of, uh, in terms of VC options, so I can't go the safe option and... BC Neil or McRae on, on Friday or Saturday, I'm going to have to roll the dice early on a couple of guys um, and see what happens. So open to your suggestions, boys, Gorn or Petrarca.
0: Ooh,
1: I don't know. Nico, where do you, where would you go with that?
2: I'd go Petrarca just because yeah. Gorn's a little bit sort of unders at the moment. He, he could blow it up, but I think Petrarca's probably more likely to have a, a bigger game there. Not tempted by butters? <sighs>
1: Oh, I don't think you could be after a 58 the week before. I'd, yeah, no, not 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 for me. Um, I, I, as a captaincy option, I do like Jack Steele against the Hawks later in the round. The Hawks have given up massive midfield numbers um, in basically all three games that they've played so far. So, um, yeah, if if you like uh, a bit of a roll of the dice, captain um, Jack Steele could be it against the Hawks on Sunday afternoon.
0: Love that. Um, just for the record, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to do anything this week. I, I had my free trades last week. I'm probably going to sit tight. The one that is really, really staring me right in the face is, is Jared Berry. Um, I'm not sure whether I want to hang on to him. I, I can't really figure it out. I'm about 20k short of going him straight to Tom Green, um, which I would have very much enjoyed doing. Instead, I'm sort of left with this Either a downgrade and then and then get him up to someone, or or Lipinski or Caldwell are sitting there too for Barry, but I don't like either of those either. So, no, unless you boys. That's a bit too, that's a yeah. Bit too sideways. Yeah. I agree. It's uh, it's feeling like I'm just going to sit there and do nothing. Uh, Barry's break even is 18, so he's going to get it. He's going to keep making cash. Um, he's it's- probably not got the ceiling we thought he did, but. Yeah, it's not a huge loss.
2: It's too bad it's not just, you know, first half points, you know, and you'd be flying. <laughs> He's probably scored about 30 second half points this season, I reckon. What's going on with
0: that? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> not not sure. Yeah. Um, now, to the listeners out there, if you do want to, as, as Nico and Bennett have said, we change our plans a lot during the week, as I'm sure you all do. And if you want to have a chat with us and run your plans by us, we... We've got a huge WhatsApp chat that's going at the moment. Um, the boys in there are loving it. We get a lot of Nico, especially, is giving advice constantly. I don't know how you get the time, Nico. It's uh, it's amazing. Um, But if you want to get involved in that WhatsApp chat, um, you have to sign up to SC Playbook for $30 for our entire content library for the 22 AFL season. So not only does that get you a lot of extra content on the website, you also get access to that WhatsApp group that I mentioned, which is basically just a group of us contributors and a group of um, people who have signed up to the site. And it's very good vibes in there. We get a lot of good chat going. Um, Nico's in there a lot. Uh, It's great fun. If you're not interested in that, don't worry. We've got plenty of free stuff on the SC Playbook website that... We'll tide you over in the meantime. Now, boys, this is probably my favourite part of the podcast. It's when we open it up to the listeners to tell us what they want to talk about. Um, We've got a few really good questions coming in this week. Um, Nico, the first one that I want to throw to you is from Corey Blackledge. He wants to know um, whether he should do McGovern to Nick Martin. He's worried he's going to have to field one of Hayes and Rochelle next week. Now, I'm assuming that he's asking whether he should do the McGovern to Nick Martin trade. Um, If not, he's going to have to field Hayes or Rochelle. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that for Corey? Yeah, look, that's
2: the way I've taken the question as well. Just before I do answer it, I just want to, for the record, just say I'm going McRae VC into Miller C um, this week, so I'm expecting those two guys to bounce back. Um, But, yeah, look, Corey, no-brainer. Pull the trigger, bank the cash, and get Martin on your field and and take those risky sort of um, players off uh, in in Rochelle. That's exactly what I'm doing this week, Um, and that should improve your team probably by about 30 points there. Um, and I think Nick Martin, the role that he's got, seems to be a pretty safe kind of 70, 60, 70 score. So
0: lock that in, mate. Don't hesitate. Both of you are bringing in Nick Martin this week, aren't you? Yep. Oh, Ben, you already had him. No, no, I'm bringing him in this week. Oh, you're bringing him in as well. Yeah, well, good. That's uh, that's two big ticks for Corey, getting rid of McGovern for uh, Nick Martin. Um, Tim H wants to know, No rookies ripe to trade out yet and no must-have trade-in targets. Are we not trading this round? Uh, I've thrown this to you, Bennett. You are doing the one trade this round, um, but if you're happy with your team, is there anyone else that would be on the radar for you to bring in this week?
1: Yeah, I think this is a week that you can really sit tight, um, provided that you don't have any injuries in your team or or guys that are seriously underperforming like a a Tom Mitchell or something like that. If you've got Mitchell in your team, I'd be... Looking to trade him out as we as we alluded to earlier, but yeah, I think Nick Martin's the the must have for all the coaches out there who haven't got him in their in their teams yet, like me. He's uh, he's the one that I'd be going after this week. But aside from that, um, yeah, early on in the season for probably the next two or three weeks, really trading is just about um, correcting injuries or, or form. Um, there's no real need to to grab rookies if you've got all the must have ones that like we touched on last week. Um, you can really sort of sit back um, and and work on. Sort of identifying the guys that you want to upgrade to um, a bit later on in the season. So, uh, yeah, from my point of view, um, no trading this week unless you absolutely
2: have to. 100% agree, Bandit. I'd probably, the ones that I'm going to be watching closely this weekend, if Crisp doesn't have a good one against West Coast, then I'm I'm probably going to look at moving him on. He doesn't seem to, you know, be enjoying that midfield role as as much as we thought he would. Um, And even Daniel Rich, I think it's, I'm probably going to ignore his 80 on the weekend because. You know, they smashed the Kangas and they only had six points. So, you know, he had a you know, significant drop in kickouts and obviously the ball not being in, in the defence much. So, yeah, just, just watch those kind of guys and, um, you know, another, another week of, of data point and then, you know, make a, a more informed decision next week.
1: The one guy, sorry, the one guy I had um just popped up onto the radar this week after he debuted on Sunday was Neil Erasmus from Frio. Uh, scored fifty eight on on debut and looked pretty pretty solid. So he's one to look out for in the next couple of weeks. Just depending on how he scores, you know, he could sideways a a Dylan Stevens potentially if he falls out of the uh, the Swans twenty two. You could maybe um, look to move him to to Erasmus if he uh, punches out another good score. This week, um, but yeah, aside from that, there's no real rookies. I don't think that have jumped up on the radar, if, unless uh, you guys have found one that I haven't.
0: One that hasn't been getting any buzz at all is Thompson Dow from Richmond. He's a uh, forward mid. He put out a hundred on the weekend against Akilda. Um, I was really impressed with him in that game. I think he only had a 49 or a 45 or something in his day, or in his in his first game of the year. But yeah, that hundred, um, yeah, pricked my ears up a little bit. I, I don't think he's he's worth selling the farm for and, and moving heaven and earth to get in. But I think it's one to put on the agenda. And the other one that's on the bubble is Nathan O'Driscoll as well from Frio, who he, I think he came off, he was med sub early in his first game. He came on and scored a 15 or a 20 or something, but he looked okay um, on the weekend. Again, I don't think it's one of those ones that you need to have and It's not going to burn you if you don't have it. Um, But yeah, there are a couple of names on the radar as well. Nico?
2: Yeah, the other one's um, Skinner, who I unfortunately brought in um, and he got subbed out with a little ankle injury. If that's nothing serious, then... And he's picked and he's on the bubble and another option in defence for um, 123K.
0: Yeah, I really like Skinner. I hope he's okay because he was he was looking solid before that. And um, I really like his game style. So he's one that we're, we'll have to keep an eye on this week. Um, the next question, which I'm just going to throw to, to everyone here, is Nick B., uh, should we be thinking about Tom Green as a viable option, and who to trade to get him in? Now we've touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think it's worth going through again, just because Tom Green is—is he, is he arriving? Has he arrived, or is it? Do we need to wait and see for a couple more rounds? Nico, are you, are you proceeding with caution there? Proceeding with caution, yes.
2: I think it could potentially just
0: be a you know a really
2: big form spike at the moment. Um, rather than you know something that's become his new normal, so I'm just going to sit and, and wait. If you're picking this guy at 502k, you're picking him for the rest of the season. So th- there's probably no harm paying 550k or, or 600k, you know, in, in a few more weeks just to see exactly you know how he's going. You know, if he then comes out and, and drops a 50 or a 60 or somehow you know Leon Cameron drops him again. Yeah, or something you know, silly happens. Um, but yeah, just just um, I'd like to sit and wait. Um, for me, I don't think he's well. He's dishing out the numbers of a bona fide premium, but I don't think he's there yet.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree, Nicole. I think he's that. He's sort of like um, we've almost sort of missed that breakout period with him now. Now that we've had sort of three weeks of big scores, he's going to jump in price quite a bit to the point where you're basically paying top dollar for him. Um, and like you said he's not quite a, a known quantity just yet I get I do get serious Clayton Oliver vibes from him though I was just um, looking at the the stats comparing them so Clayton Oliver in his first season averaged uh, 70 from from 13 games. Uh, Tom Green in his first year averaged 72 points a game from six games uh, and then the following year averaged 79 from 17. the Clayton Oliver's second year in in the AFL, he then jumped up to 111 and a half Supercoach points per game, so pretty much went from yes. rookie numbers to genuine bona fide midfield gun. I'm just, I just reckon Tom Green could do something similar. I know he's averaging you know 140 or something at the moment, so he'll probably regress a little bit from from that. But yeah, I just get real similar vibes. Um, they're they're very similar players in the way they go about it. They're both you know inside inside balls. Um, and Green's already starting to hit the scoreboard, which Clayton Oliver hasn't really done until the last two or three years. So, um, yeah, look, we could be looking at the next, um, at the next Clayton Oliver potentially. I know he's um, drawn a lot of buzz from uh, the Phantom, who does a lot of good work on the uh, official Supercoach site. Um, so, yeah, the Phantom could be uh, could be on the money there.
0: I love Tom Green. I'm a massive fan. I, I just don't think you can risk it just yet. But uh, kudos to you if you do, because yeah, there's every chance that he he goes on with this and continues to be a gun. Um, boys, that's about all we've got time for today. Uh, thank you very much for your time. As always, uh, we're going to be back this time next week. Good luck this week. Don't don't make too many rash decisions over the course of the week, Nico. I think you pretty much reversed your position from Monday to Friday last week. Um, yep. <laughs> and uh, maybe it all didn't work out quite as well as you would have liked, but that's okay. We, 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 we learn from our mistakes. Um, it's a marathon, Eddie. Don't forget that. Exactly right. It's exactly right. Well, thank you very much for your time, boys. We'll see you this time next week.